Hello, and welcome to the Coach Conversations podcast, the podcast where coaches have conversations about all things coaching. Today's guest is Amanda Horn, and as always, I'm your host, Brendan Laleve. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, Brendan. Thank you. It's good to see you, hear you. Yeah, really been looking forward to our our conversation and, and getting to hear a bit about your story as a coach. So how did coaching become a part of your life? Well, uh, it started back in maybe 1999, could have been 2000. I was on a leadership program. I worked with EY then and in that leadership program, they were long men, five days face-to-face <laughs> back in the, those days. The facilitator was conscious that when we all went back to work, would we remember anything? You know, what, what can you remember after five days? And how are you going to learn and grow? He taught us the grow model. You know, the famous grow model. And so I remember that. And that was really interesting. And why I enjoyed that is that for the years before that, working in EY, I loved the mentoring, I loved working with people, I loved helping them to um, grow. What happened next, this is where coaching came in, is might have been 2000, 2001, the top partners in EY were getting executive coaching. And I had friends in HR and I was kind of um, interested. I think, what's this about? And then they said, oh, we're going to go and learn a bit about it. And then I got jealous. Are you learning about coaching? What is this thing? And they said, I'll come and meet the guy. Um, so I'm one of friends. I'll, I'll introduce you to the guy who's the coach and he runs a company. And so this friend of mine in HR introduced me to John Matthews. Now, some of your listeners, some of our listeners might know John Matthews, um, who's been in the field for a long time. Um, um, I'm trained with the Institute of Executive Coaching, IECL. It had a slightly different name then. He's one of the co-starters um, of that company. So here we are on some floor in a building in, in Sydney meeting John Matthews, who's coaching all the partners. Um, and he said, I'm running training courses and here's how we run it. And so my partner and I, my business partner and I, we interview everyone first because we only want people who are in business to come coaching this is the Australian Institute of Coaching. I said, oh, great, I'd like an interview. He said, I've just interviewed you. Come to our course. So in it could have been 2002, 2000, it was probably 2002 that meeting was. So they ran three levels then, and I did all three levels of coaching in September 2002. And I loved it. I felt like I was in my element, loved everything about it. And so then in 2003, so I planned, I planned my exit. And at the same time, now this is relevant to people listening here in Canberra. At the time, I'd been in Canberra two years. I'd moved from Sydney. I was conscious of just one department that was introducing coaching. One department introduced coaching to SES, that's the senior executive service level only. So I could see that it was going to grow. I knew from my experience with EY that private sector was always ahead. So I thought, well, if the private sector is teaching us coaching in 99-2000 and EY is bringing this in another private sector, I could see that it was growing. So I left EY in 2003 to start my coaching practice, and that was 18 years ago. And there wasn't much coaching then, so I did a bit of other things. But over the time, um, I've honed my practice and I just coach mm. now. So it was, um, I never set out to look for it. I just kept following my energy. This is something that I think a lot about with my clients. Where's my energy? 
I wasn't conscious of it then, but I could see what I was doing now that I have this lens of looking how we look through things through what we're energised by. And I could see, why was I saying to my friend, I want to meet this guy? And why are you going on that training course? And why I actually loved the grown model in 99, 2000, because the facilitator brought it in, not realising it, that this would become a famous model. Mm -hmm. So that's how I got into it. Wonderful. Interesting story. I think, Mm. you know, our origin stories as coaches often so insightful and entertaining. And as you were talking through that, I was thinking through mine, which is, shorter but um there was a lot of a, a lot of alignments uh to in a slightly different order to my own story as well because uh, i did some internal coach training when i was working with a federal government department where the an organization had done an upskilling of internal people to then train people to be internal coaches and, and my director at the time sent me on this training and i wasn't really sure what it was i wasn't really sure what i was going to do with it and in fact, I didn't almost didn't remember that I'd done it. And then I went and have done, you know, further coach training also with the Institute of Executive Coaching and Leadership and, uh, you know, done all three levels there and, and really enjoyed that. Got to work with some amazing coaches, both facilitators and participants through that program. And I was at the risk of speaking about moving house again. When we were moving house, <laughs> I found a folder in the garage that is from that internal coach training. And uh, I just looked through it and sort of went, oh, how did this not land at the time when I first saw it? Because it makes so much sense now. And and I I believe that it was put together by an an earlier version of what IECL was to become. So, you know, I'd already had that link before I went and, and did my training uh, with them and learned a lot more and, and really soaked it up. So, yeah, it's, and it was a conversation with a facilitator about a training program where we talked about a whole bunch of leadership stuff and they sort of looked at me and said, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you out there talking about this stuff? Because you're passionate about it and you know it and you're... And I said, I don't have a good answer to that question. <laughs> Let me go and think about it. Now, here I, here I am. I do wonder where that spark was, where this internal program it was in a box. But I wonder whether something was lit up then, that something happened, that when it came along again, you're interested. Is, is it, was there a spark lit in some way? I think there must have been because then when I went to level one, a little bit of an insight as to how I was thinking at the time, I went because it was part of a postgraduate qualification that I was encouraged to go and investigate around performance discussion time working in a different federal government department. And uh, I was working in a in an IT discipline at the time. And my manager said, just go and do like, what do you want to do for training? I said, I'll just go and do the next level of whatever the, the best practice framework was. Um, for that work area. And and I remember he looked at me and he said, Brendan, look, you can do that, but there's more out there for you. Go and look at management and leadership. And I sort of thought at the time, okay, well, go and have a look. And I went and had a look at MBAs and worked out very quickly why people would want to do them, but that they weren't for me to do. 
And then I found this leadership qualification and um, ICL formed a part of it. So let's do that. And at least if nothing else, I'll get an industry certificate that um, that is linked to this thing. And I walked into ICL level one and thought to myself, three days on telling people how to do what they need to do. How are they going to drag this out? Like, that was my mindset walking in. And up until that point, I hadn't really known what I wanted to do. I just enjoyed working with people. I enjoyed conversations. I liked to learn and, you know, I, I would, liked the conditions that came with working in federal government. That was kind of my four markets for success, but I'd kind of do anything. I did a bit of project management, did a bit of IT stuff, you know, did a, some change coordination, did some HR policy, because I really didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I didn't get to morning tea on day one. And I thought to myself, this is what I want to do. This is it. I found it. So now I just have to go and build it and make it happen. And um, yeah, it, it really did catch me really quickly, uh, in that, in that first sort of training program. And, um, mm. now I'm here. Yeah. Like, so how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. How did that happen? I think what's lovely about that, your story, my story, um, the stories of other coaches is, doesn't this mean we're providing, well, it does mean that we know we love our work and we know we're drawn to it. We're not doing it because it, it was a job. It is, it is something that we're passionate about. But then that's what we bring to our clients when there's the work of coaching, but then there's the being of coaching. And every coach I know and you know, Brendan, aren't doing it just because oh, I thought I'd pick a job, you know, I need to do something. They really genuinely care. And that is what shapes the relationship between the coach and the client. And your story just um, adds to that, like the joy that you have with that, that you love this, that when you're with your clients, you're already coming into the meeting with something that is going to be so supportive for their thinking when you're coaching them. Mm. And, you know, I think your point around energy is so true when it comes to your coaching how does that energy that we that we show up with as coaches it, it influences the way the coaching session will go even before the person meets us at the foyer or we walk into their office or however it plays out meeting room yeah so you said that you've gradually built to a point where you just do coaching and and i Yep. Prickled at that because yes. I think you don't just do coaching, you do a lot of other wonderful things as well. <laughs> yeah. how, do, how does that, you know, because yeah. uh, I think that's an interesting mindset piece there around, well, you know, I do what we do, what my energy takes me, and whatever that label goes on that is whatever label goes on that, but it's where my energy's at. What's how's that yeah. true for you? So, yeah, when I just do coaching, that was because I was remembering when you asked my story, about my story, that when I started my practice, um, after being employed for 20 years by a company to be self-employed, I needed to do other things. There wasn't enough coaching out back then in 2003 with one department with just SES. So I was doing other things that I was used to doing with EY and things that I started to develop myself, which is workshops and um, things like that, hooking up with other people. 
so when I say I just do coaching now, I know I think I know where you're coming from. Um, I don't. What is what I don't do? I don't do facilitation. I don't run courses. I don't. Um, I might do some co-facilitation with people when someone else is in charge and it's a, in a particular role I play, rather than standing up and teaching, telling, advising. So I don't enjoy that anymore. It's what what I do now. When I say just coaching, I could call it actually reflective practice. And then I do those other things. And, and Brendan, you know this that um, I'm also a coaching supervisor, but that's reflective practice. And I like um, uh, sometimes mentoring um, coaches, but it isn't mentoring in that way where I'm advising or teaching, telling them, but it's a place for thinking for them. Um, I do volunteer work. Um, and the volunteer work that I like to do is where I might be doing pro bono coaching. And I also like working with small groups, not team coaching. And um, I think that, um, you know, to, to know a bit more about team coaching, the podcast you did a little while ago with Kylie. So that's the type of work that she does and with her colleagues. I like group coaching, peer learning groups, which is when I say just coaching, I put that all in one bundle, which is reflective practice. How do you bring a small group of people together so they reflect together? And that, and my, my job isn't to be upfront teaching, telling. It's how do you bring a group together so they reflect in a way like they're almost coaching each other, a coaching style. So I do think that I just do coaching. The other thing that I do, and I know Brendan, you know, I do this, I do volunteer work for a not-for-profit in South Australia and we go out with teenagers. I do reflective practice with them. I don't, I don't now think am I doing work, I just can't help myself, but ask the types of clients, the types of questions I ask clients. might ask the teenagers, What's your favourite subject at school? Because that's something I've learned too. That's the what's going well question. So with a client, what's gone well since we last met? What's, what's been going well in your work and your team? Um, with a, um, a teenager I haven't met, it's what's your favourite subject, which is quite different to what you do at school. Hmm. And then from there can build a place to reflection where, and so what do you want to have more of in your life and why are you going to be out here and what could you learn about yourself? So... Yeah, just do coaching. I think that at the heart of coaching, I like to do that. So that's the work I'll do. And I won't do the other work where I'm not energised, coming back to the energy. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's helping other people to think. And it's such a long way away from you know, 18, 20 years ago where it's more the expertise, knowing, teaching, telling. Yeah. Mm. It's not easy. The, the reflective practice can be quite challenging. What a, what a great question to be asking teenagers. What's the difference between coaching teenagers and coaching other clients? Well, um, most obviously that a lot of my clients have a lot more experience, life experience, I mean. So they've got more stories to tell. Um, I'm thinking there's not, well, yeah, well, I can't ask some questions. Like, well, in the last 20 years of your life, what did you most enjoy what you know, like a client that's been working for 20 years since they graduated or whatever it is, is, um, in fact, as I'm thinking about it, there's not a lot of difference. I just work with someone that might only be 16 years old, can still ask or observe as I like to observe with clients. I like to see what lights them up. Say, so you just did that. I think you're really good at that. Is that what you think? Or it sounds like when you talk about woodwork, and how you hate science and maths. I'm thinking you're really creative. I said that to a young man, young boy. And he kind of looked at me. And you could see the spark, which is 
she understands me. All I'm doing is listening to their story. So there's no difference between working with a teenager or an adult. I'm hearing their story and noticing their energy. And so I, coaching, as you know, it's a process where we meet over a regular time and it can happen over a long period of time with teenagers. I'm with them for a week, meet them once, and that's it. There's no follow-up. So I guess I do everything in a condensed way, which I guess the answer also makes me think out loud here with you, Brendan, that you can do something with someone in a limited time, even if you're not going to do what we have in the business, which is following up with meetings. How are you going? What happened? What, what are you going to do next? How, what's been going on since our last meeting? So in a short amount of time, I can help them to think about what do you want more of in your life? You're really creative. So what are you going to do with that? Um, and then they start talking about their story. Oh, well, this is what I did with my woodwork and this is what the teacher and then I've got this assignment. Well, how are you going to do that? And so they're walking, they're walking and talking and they're getting really excited about how they're going to actually pass their subject in woodwork just because they weren't scientific. And I asked and I said, I think you're creative. Tell me about that. Oh, well, I do woodwork. And I am actually reflecting on a true situation. Mm. Um, or another situation which I do with um, anyone, which was you can't change your past, but you can shape your future. And a teenager would say, can we talk? I just want to forget about my past. My coaching training says you can't forget about your past. But if you want to know, if you want to focus on your future, which is another thing I do with my coaching clients, like what is it that you want more of? I don't do goals, Brendan. It's not what is a goal, but what, would, what do you want more of so that you'd be alive in, and feel alive in a year or two, or two? With a teenager, I did that. So what is it that you do want? Because I, I help you talk, but I don't want to talk about what you should give up. I want to know who you want to be. And she said, well, I want to be a veterinary nurse. I, told her, I asked her to tell me more about that. And then that hook meant then she wanted to talk about her past, but she talked about her past differently. And as I'm telling you this story about teenagers, this is exactly the type of thing I do with adults. Mm -hmm. That when people know what they want more of and what they're energised by, then they can talk about the problems or their past or things that aren't working so well with a different frame and a different energy. Strengths-based coaching mm -hmm. is what I do with clients and teenagers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll come back to the... Uh no goals bit, but I'm intrigued as to how that environment uh, works with the teenagers, you know, outside, walking. How does that influence the, the coaching relationship dynamic that you have with those individuals? Mm, wow. If only we could bottle this for the coaching we do with adults, Brendan. Um, there's no technology. There's no phones. There's nothing out there. And we're walking every day. And we're living with um, the sun setting and the sun rising um, with the environment. We're sleeping outdoors in fresh air. Physically, that's quite an amazing thing to do. So you know, I'm sure someone with all the science would step in here and explain why that's good for thinking. There's nowhere to go. They can't leave. Um, they're nowhere near a road. Like they, they just can't say, I'm sick of this. I'm calling my mum. I'm going there. out there for eight days. And they're in a safe place. So what this space does is a safe place for thinking, Brendan, just like when we think about our clients, is it a safe place for them? Is it a place where they feel like they can open up? Do they feel interested and engaged? Well, it's quite a lot happening when you go for long walks in the bush carrying packs. It can be challenging for them. A lot, of, a lot of those tensions in their body release. So, you know, over eight days we can ask these questions subtly. So it's not like a coaching session where we cram it all into an hour, an hour and a half. It can happen bit by bit over eight days. So it's the physical environment. There's just a very small team of them. 
um, it's a place where there's a lot of warmth and, and love and um, and so that's that's what happens out there for them. They can think freely because none of us are judging. So we're not there to judge or measure or monitor or make them better. We're really trying to encourage them. So when they go back to school, they're thinking a bit differently. Eight days of reflective practice. You know, I just think how lucky is that for them when our clients get an hour, an hour and a half mm. um, with distractions and haven't and they haven't had a chance to walk for eight days and release the tension in their body. Mm. So. They're the types of things that go on that just help them to think a bit more clearly because they're away from all those other external things that um, they're in a completely different environment. And I think that sometimes for some clients, being just in a one-hour practice with you or me, a reflective practice, it's in a completely different environment. Do you ever have that, um, Brendan, where where they when they come in, they're quite a different person when they go out? Do you have... Yeah, what's yeah. that experience like? What have you noticed happens to clients? Yeah, really often. I mean, I had a, a session just you know, late last week where the, the person, um, mm-hmm. they came in and they were really flustered. They were a little bit late and they're like, oh, I've just got to check this on my phone and I've got to write this note down. It's like, it's okay. Like, just get, get that done, get your things in order. That's not a problem at all. And then over the course of the conversation, they were like, this has been really, you know, therapeutic, actually. And I sort of said, well, coaching is often thought of as being quite therapeutic, but I just need to remind you that it's not therapy. And they're like, yeah, 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 I I don't expect you to to step, but it's just being able to talk things through and sort of lay things out. Uh, And then, you know, their phone sort of was buzzing away on the table and they were, were, I'm just going to ignore that for the moment because I, I really want to be here and be present. And um, yeah, and then they just, they left and they seemed a lot, a lot calmer, but also you know, back to the, the energy thing that they, they, they seemed energy was, was different. It was more intentional, which is, I think what I kind of like seeing a lot with the people that I work with is, you know, it's not so much whether they get done or don't get done what they set out to achieve. It's like, what's your intent? What What are you trying to create here? And, you know, the better your intent is, the the more likely it is that you're going to get there. But I, I think it's quite interesting when people come back and they say, look, I had a, I know I agreed to do blah at the end of last session, but I, I really thought about it and, and I've decided that's not actually what I want to do. And here's the reasons why, and here's where I want to go instead, because that is better for me. And I'm like, well, I'm pleased that you recognize that in the time we spent together, as opposed to, you know, potentially working another 20, 30, you know, 40, whatever years, and then going, actually, I didn't enjoy any of that at all. Um, and and so through the coaching, they were able to just do those little things differently, which changes the way they perform, show up, relax, engage all those things as well. So, I'm thinking that your clients are with you and you're doing something, you're doing coaching, but there's more than that and that's the being. Who are you? There's something about who you are because coaching isn't just a whole lot of techniques that you intellectually learn. That for your clients to be leaving those meetings with that, it's not just a technical ex- ex- exercise you've provided. So I wonder what, what, is, what is it that you know about yourself that in that environment, it makes it that place for them to be able to leave with an aha, 
or a different insight or more perspective, something about you, who you are. Hmm. It's, it's really, really interesting that you say that actually, because I'm, I'm currently doing a little bit more coach training, uh, with the global coaching Institute and, um, as with all coach training, there's a, a you know requirement for there to be some coaching. And so there's an opportunity to be coached, which I, I jump at sort of every, every moment I get. And in one of those sessions, which just happened over the weekend, that, that's when the, the training was run. I, I had this realization that I need to stop doing coaching and to start being a coach. And, and that when coaching had been going well, I was more in that being space as opposed to that doing space. So I just think that's interesting that, you know, that showed up for me on Friday or Saturday night. And now here we are on Tuesday afternoon and, and that's being played back to me. So it's intriguing how this, mm-hmm. this coaching stuff works, right? As I'm sure you know. So I've been reflecting on, well, what what does that mean to to be being a coach? Uh, And and who is it that I am when I'm when I'm being a coach? And how do I bring in more of my values? Because yes, there is some technical component, but it diminishes over time. I find as you get more and more comfortable with just creating the space or just asking you know, the next question or just letting people process and slow down when you know, that isn't what we get very much of. It's sort of got to be at the next thing, got to be here, got to be there, got to do this, got to answer an email. And, and that pace is, is really, really fast. So, you know, I, I think part of the being is about well, knowing who you are. Now, what are your individual values? And, and I, I have a huge drive to create potential and pursue potential. Um, I I think that there's a there's a caring for people that shows up, and I like to think that my sense of humor shows up. Humor is a big value for me. Is you know, can I use humor appropriately? Which I you know, I'm pleased is in the International Coaching Federation's core competencies. You know, appropriately is the important bit, but it's in there, right? And so you know it's okay for it to be conversational and for people to laugh and for people to share and for people to pause and and being able to bring that into what i get to be as opposed to what i get to do is something that i am very very thankful for you know the end of the day or the end of the week when i get to reflect on what did i get to achieve today because it's a really privileged position to be to find yourself in you know you meet people and you say you know, what do you want more of? And they just lay it all out there in front of you. And you think, man, that, that showed up quick. That trust's pretty high there. Yeah. That's how it shows up for me. How does it show up for you? A lot of those things that you said, um, values, beliefs. So who am I? Um, how I'm, I'm really conscious of what it is that I bring. And I know it's what I believe in and what I care about. For example, with um, clients, when I meet them the first time, I absolutely lay this out and I say, I'm not here to measure, monitor, judge you. You and I are having a conversation. I'm here to provide the space for you to think. Um, I'm not trying to get you anywhere. Um, 
and and you're the expert in in your life so they're one of the things I'm bringing are some qualities that I have which is it's almost like um you know I wouldn't judge a friend so I like like friendliness I like friendship I like teamwork I like working with that's the quality in me the 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 values that most energize me teamwork is that so I'm bringing this teamwork approach um, not that I explain what I'm saying to you, know, I don't tell them that I'm doing that. How it comes out is I'm here to help you to think. Um, I often actually say to clients, it's so good to meet you for the first time. It's so good to meet you. And I love my work. So here's a bit about me. And I love my work. So there's love as well um, in the sense that I'm bringing love and warmth into the meeting, not um, like in, in that I love my work. And I, and I, and it's been very interesting when clients I meet them for the first time and we set up the relationship. They say, that's so good that I that you love your work. Because I'd like to love my work too and it'd be really good to learn about that. Or people just say, it's so lovely to be with someone who loves their work. So it just reminds me why it is so important to come from our values. So the love of my work means I'm bringing in a natural energy. I, I, like I don't have to try. I am just so excited to be with clients. I love being with them. I love thinking of them as if they're a team member, like we're equals in this. So there's a friendliness. I'm friendly and I like, and and um, particularly during COVID, there's been a lot more friendly, a lot more informality because people are connecting over Zoom differently. And um, not that I'm unfriendly face-to-face, but there's been a level of informality in coaching meetings that's been very, been a very, really good place for people to think. You know, just for people to be able, I'm talking to a human being, I'm talking to my coach and I'm letting them, what, what do you want to talk about today? Well, I want to talk about what I've been doing with my kids, my, my, my child, my grandfather and her, his grandfather. Okay, okay, let's talk about your child and your grandfather for about 10 minutes. <laughs> sure, here's some ideas. Um, but there's a friendliness there. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think that, um, yeah, I just, like being there and I love listening to people and also it's because I don't like telling and teaching I don't like telling people what to do then it's a lot easier for me to draw out the questions from them and to help them think and I love tuning into them and I don't know what quality that is but I just love using my intuition and sensing something's going coming up and my question comes from there so I I don't know what type of being that is, but there's some, there's nothing intellectual going on. There's not a process. I can have to do step three, step four. There's just something that flows. Um, yeah, yeah. So a lot of our values. Yeah, I think what you and I are sharing, Brendan, what are our strengths? What are our values? Where is our energy? And our energy comes into the meeting. If we're energized, that can have an influence on someone. And I think that that came home to me quite um, obviously when a client said. Oh, this is so refreshing because my relationships at work, they're not really great. You know, it's not a nice place to work in. So I think, oh, okay, I've forgotten that. I've forgotten that it can be like that. Whereas in every client meeting, I know they're going to leave having been in a, in a warm, encouraging environment. And it can be special for them if back at work, it's not a very nice place for them. Mm. Yeah, intuition, which is, I'm guessing, where the coaching without goals bit comes from and the first step of grow obviously is a goal so how have you how's your coaching changed and shifted and transformed over 18 years to go from the the goal of grow to where you are now 
so I use different language and I include the goal, the G word. So when I meet with clients, ask them, I sometimes send this question to them beforehand. What's the theme that you might want to bring into coaching? Um, what, what, what's something that's on your mind? It might be a goal, but it could just be something. Doesn't, and I say it doesn't have to be a goal. It could just be something you want to head towards or something you want to think about. So um, I often use the word theme. What's something that's on your mind? What would you like to talk about more? So then I'll ask them, what do you want from that? So some, I do say to them, look, if you want to set a goal, then absolutely we can. But the pressure's off. You don't have to have a goal. You might just want to use this time to think about whatever's in front of you now. In which case I'll say, what would you want to be walking away with or feeling or sensing when you leave this meeting? And, and um, sometimes I hear clients say, um, I just, um, one client had a really good word for it. I just want, oh, yeah, I just want to get a bit of clarity. So here we not have, we don't have a goal, so we're not going to measure. So where's your clarity on a scale of 1 to 10 and what do you want by the end of the meeting? There we've got a theme. So both my client and I know that somewhere clarity is, but it's not a, specific, it's not a smart goal. It's not specific. We'll never know we've got that, but they will know. And so I say, okay. And... So then we're heading in a direction. So I now often think with clients, well, which direction are you heading in? So this conversation is going to wander somewhere and somewhere out of that there'll be clarity. But it's not a goal, but something might pop up. Mm. So that's, that's what I do. And I don't, when I, actually, I, when I say that to clients, I say, oh, good, because I don't have a goal. Do I have to have a goal? No, you don't have to have a goal. Just this is a time to think, whatever you want to talk about today. And when we meet again, you'll have a completely different topic because so much changes between meetings. What do you want to talk about then? Um, and I do, I forget to do this. Sometimes I probably should do it more often. Um, and would you like to come away with actions? Because are we going to do some action planning or not? I forget to ask that. Um, sometimes I pick it up in their language and I think, oh, I better ask the question. I can see they're quite action-oriented. And I might say, do you want to be taking actions away? from this meeting, which is one of the grow model um, aspects. Mm. Uh, because if you do, and one client said, absolutely, I do, and I remember this quite vividly because they really were an action-oriented person. Yep, I want to go away with actions. Good. So we made sure. I said, okay, now what actions do you think you'd like to take away? And did that in the last 10 minutes, and then they came up with all the actions. Apart from that, I might ask people, what are you thinking, feeling, what are you taking away? Um, and sometimes they say something that's quite, unspecific like mm. i'm taking away that i've got a better sense of but if someone were to look at that meeting and say but where are their actions well if my client doesn't want to take away actions and they just want a thinking space the actions will come later so i keep it i kind of match where they are and i'm finding a lot of clients are like that they want the thinking space and then the thinking beyond the coaching is where actions might arise and sometimes do want one or two actions and that'll that'll come up Mm. that's I was just reflecting as you say that that you know I don't ask whether people want actions either but I probably mandate not mandate that's too strong a word I assume that they're going to want to and so I'm I'm often you know what are you going to do differently and what will be the result of that what will the impact of that be 
and they may be looking at me, you know, the opposite to the example you shared going, I, don't, I know what I'm going to do. I don't need to action plan it and write it down. So I quite like that question, you know, what do you want to come away with? Or do you want actions as a result of this? Or do you just want to think and reflect and let it all out and then move on to whatever comes next? I'm, something for me to play with. So thank you. It's just intuitively, if someone wants clarity, then like you just have to pick up things where I, okay, it's hard to, it's hard. I think actually I'm, we all know, we all know that we don't have a script of questions. We just know for some reason a question will pop up. We don't know where it comes from. That's our intuition. Like why am I asking that question right now? I would like to chat a little bit about supervision because obviously it's something that I benefit from and it's something that I wish I'd found a little earlier in my, in my coaching career or, you know, even being clearer about what I would bring to supervision or why I would go to supervision as well. So I think it, while we've got you and you've got supervisory, supervisionary, what's the, the correct version of that experience? Let's talk about that. So what, what, what made you step into becoming a coach supervisor to begin with? I did my supervision training in 2014. So something must have happened in 2013, 2012. I, I can only imagine that it must have been growing as an interest area. And again, um, I'm actually... I signed up for it in 2013. It was a program that started at the beginning of the year and ended at the end of the year with the with the UK company, Coaching Supervision Academy. Something something sparked my attention. Now, I guess intellectually, I'd probably say that I'd heard that supervision was growing, but this was something that professional coaches should have. And, and I didn't take it as assured. It was, I'd love to. I'd love to do that. I'd love to be able to have like another coach who could help me think. And also, because that was 2013-14, I'd started my practice in 2D and been coaching and also loved, reflected my coaching practice had changed a lot over those years, so it was much more this style. Um, and I was wondering, what's my next level of coach training going to be? I thought, well, why don't I do coach supervision? Because it might be that I can then provide a space for coaches to reflect and that would be a good service to provide to the coaching community. Um, and also I'll, I'll learn something new within the coaching area. So I did, I did um, do a little bit of additional coaching with the IECL, coach training that is, with the IECL. Supervision opened up something new and the, the curriculum looked really interesting, particularly CSA is the company, Coaching Supervision Academy. Their strap line is who you are is how you coach. I thought, now that's interesting. Who I am is how you coach. And this program was about understanding who we are. So we learned a few models, the seven-eyed model and or maybe the seven-eyed model and a couple of other models that provide structure to supervising. But we spent all year learning about ourselves. And even when we went into um, triads where one would be a supervisor, one's a supervisor and one's um, observing, we weren't technically measured on our supervision skills. When we come out of that triad, we then reflect on what went on in us. What was that like as a supervisor when you were practicing supervisor? Where were you caught? What was comfortable, uncomfortable? So we weren't, it was not skills training. So over that year, we learned a lot about ourselves. And I said to the facilitator, Leanne, I said, 
this isn't a course for supervisors. This is a course for every human being because everything I'm learning here is going to help me with every single relationship because I understand more about my beliefs and my triggers and why I might trip over. One of the things that came up that I learned in supervision when I was learning to be a supervisor was judgment would often come up that I would make it, I would judge clients and it would hold me back and I'd feel the tension in my body and, and it had done catch me in a way that I couldn't supervise because I'd be making judgment. So we explored that. So I learned to notice when I become judgmental and work on letting that go. So supervision training, um, and I'm telling you about it, but also how to answer your question, how I came across it. I would have absolutely been drawn to it. It was not a should. Um, for years I'd learned that there's so much training out there, Brendan, so many webinars. And I learned that if I felt this pull, and as I'm talking to you, um, I'm moving like I'm moving forward. My chest is moving forward, like my, like I want to. I wanted to do this. Whereas sometimes I look at webinars and I feel like stepping back. Mm -hmm. I absolutely felt that I wanted to go in it, and so I guess that might have been intuition. That's why I got into it. But I also did want to do. What can I do more than coaching? So the stretch for me is then how do I create a reflective space for coaches? And that would be quite different. So it was kind of a curiosity there. Um, I've since learnt my coaching supervision skills have really helped me to understand that reflective practice in coaching is really useful. So sometimes I don't know whether I'm supervising or coaching anymore. It's reflective practice. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Thank you for sharing that because I think it defines as well your approach to supervision. For new coaches that are wondering, what's this supervision thing that Amanda and Brennan are talking about what would I even bring to supervision? I do a bit of, you know, self-reflective practice. Um, what would you say to them? What are the sort of things people bring to supervision? So there might be different supervisors that do different things. I know some supervisors can also mentor. Um, they can mentor. Um, what I'd be bringing, what I'd be asking, what I ask um, coaches to bring is think about your coaching experiences. Do some reflection on what happened in your coaching. What were the situations? Who were you? What were you noticing, thinking, feeling about yourself? Um, so in the supervision that I, I do, we don't solve the problems. So it wouldn't be like you'd come to me Brendan, and say, you, you're trying to coach this person and you tried this technique and what would you do? And the supervisor may, you know, I tried it. Why don't you try that? And, he, and I'll, I'll tell you how to use that model. I might be asking you, what was going on in that client situation? What were you comfortable with? What were you uncomfortable with? What was happening to you? How are you, and in fact, what happens in supervision is we bring the here and now into supervision. And this can feel quite strange to people where you might be telling me a story about, this tricky client that you had, and I might be saying right now, how are you feeling right now? And what CSA says, Coaching Supervision Academy says, is bring in the here and now. What's going on right now? And also it's and so when you think about how you're feeling, thinking, reflecting, um, you make sense of you in that. So it's not about you going away thinking, oh, okay, I didn't use the grow model. I should have done that differently or I've just learned a new technique. It's you've learned something about yourself that impacted you in that relationship with your client. 
and also I'll be getting you to think about what was going on between you and your client. What was going on in the organisation? So you're coaching in that department. What's going on in that department or in that client's department that is affecting you? And you might say, actually, there's some big tricky things going on and I know that department. And um, that was really affecting how I was able to coach because those things going on there with, um, um, with that culture. So then, then you can explore how the system might be affecting you. Anyway, um, it's really hard to talk, Brendan, about supervision. It's really hard to talk about coaching because it's so, so I don't think a coach would probably, anyone listening to your podcast would really get a proper sense of what it's like other than it's a place for you to reflect just like, so any of the coaches out there and Brendan, it gives you a place to reflect on yourself where you learn something about you. So when you go back into coaching, it's not that you've learned a new technique. Mm. Although I, I can't speak for all supervisors. I go into supervision. So I have a supervisor. So there are times where a supervisor will say, I can tell you something about this, what goes on here in the drama. Um, you could be aware of that. Just like, just be aware of that. And that could be going on for your client too. So often they might, give some tips, but they wouldn't be lecturing in a way. So different supervisors will have different ways of working. It is hard to talk about. It's hard to talk about something that's just a doing. Yeah. But, but, Brendan, you've been a supervisee, so maybe you could explain supervision from a supervisee's, whether you've been in groups. I know you've been in groups. I think that we, we, there used to be some groups some years ago. With, yeah. Talk about your experience. That might explain supervision through your experience. Yeah, so, it's, I mean, I have similar challenges when people say, what's coaching and how will you help me as a coach? I, I, I pretty much say to them, look, I can explain it to you and you won't be any clearer on it. Or have you got 10 minutes? Let's just co coach for 10 minutes. And at some point in that 10 minutes, they go, oh, that's a good question. Or I'm thinking differently about that or hadn't noticed that before. I mean, that, that's coaching. Like that's, that's what I'm working on here. So maybe if you're unsure about supervision, it could be worth checking it out. What what I appreciate from supervision, whether it's you know individual or group or um, part of a training program or something that I've sought out myself, is is it feels like you know as a coach, there's what's happening on the dance floor, and then you're sort of watching from the balcony. In supervision, I feel like you go another balcony higher, and you get to see both levels of it. And, and, you know, I think recently one of the greatest insights I had was I walked away from a coaching session and I, there was some stuff happening internally for me and I was thinking, oh, I don't think I necessarily did my best coaching there. That's something for me to unpack and look at in supervision. And, and what I noticed um, was that, you know, the client's system, what was happening in their organisation came into the coaching session and influenced both of us in that situation. And then it traveled again into the supervision session. It showed up, there were elements of it again in that supervision session. And so I could start to see the parallels between those three different, completely different environments because I wasn't in the client's physical domain when I was coaching. Um, and they weren't in there either, that we were in an independent building. Yeah, and then coaching virtually, 
supervision was done virtually. So neither of us were in the same sort of physical space. And yet this, these elements showed up across the three. And once I recognized that, I could think about it differently. I could uh, be with it differently as well. I think as well as opposed to trying to do something with it. It's like, oh, that's, that's there. Okay, if that's there, what do I need to do to to be with it differently and and not have it influence my coaching as dramatically? Because it's still going to show up, so it's still going to be there. So, you know, I think it, yeah, like you say, one of the things I love about this this work is I learn about myself in pretty much, if not every coaching conversation I have, or, or I learn about others and how they think about things. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I wouldn't have done that that way. And good thing I didn't give advice because that wouldn't have been even close to what I was thinking of being able to do. You know, and then in the supervisory context, it's it's even deeper again. I'm like, oh, that's that showing up for me. Or oh, that's how that's influencing. Or, you know, what do I do differently next time the system appears? And if it's showing up for me, then it must be showing up for the counterpart, what would happen differently if I called that out or explored that with them or yeah. So that that's kind of what I take away from it is that extra level of thinking around, okay, well that happened. Um, why did it happen? How did it happen for me? What was the influence of it happening and what would I like to be different? next time how will i respond differently next time based on who i am rather than you know amanda said the next time that happens ask these three questions and you'll be fine because it just it, yeah no, that wasn't what happened and that wouldn't work either so that, hearing that how does that land for you yes very good i heard you talk about being and doing again mm. so you talked a lot about how you are who you are and you said, and so it's about who you are, not about the doing. So you use the be word and the do word. Mm. Yeah. And I was thinking then that when you were saying you learn about yourself, this is where I found the link with coaching. So if we get this experience of what it's like when you go to supervision, when I go to supervision, we're learning more about ourselves and where our supervisors are asking us to explore ourselves, then I've found the courage to do that type of work with clients, to help them to explore who they are. They might say, you know, I've got a difficult boss or... I'm in my thinking, well, who are you in this? Mm. So what are the techniques to manage a difficult boss? Let's look it up on the internet. The answer's there. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, I've got, I do a lot more of helping them to explore what's going on in them or what's going on in the system. Like you said, you said in the, in the supervision, you're conscious, more conscious or consciously aware of your client and you're in a system. So I will ask my clients, this is coaching you know, counterparts, Questions I've learned in supervision, because if they can see more, like you said, the balcony, what's your experience of this situation with your boss when you reflect on what's, what's going on in the department? How do you feel about what's going on in the department? How do you feel about the dream? And then if they talk about their experience of it, that's, that's like being up on the balcony. And then when they come back to the topic of the relationship with their boss or something, they come back with a different perspective. perspective. And this is what happened with one of my clients where they had a really difficult situation and I was asking questions like that. And what happened was the problem they brought to coaching completely changed because I was asking them to explain their experience. What's that like to now run two branches and you used to have one? What's that like to do that with these things going on in your personal life? 
what would your kids say? And all of these things. And then they realised the problem they had was not their problem, it was a system problem. Because I was asking their experience, what's that like? And they were able to extricate themselves. They thought they had a problem they had to be coached in, you know, not coached, but um, to go to coaching for. They realised they weren't the problem, there was a problem in the system. Mm. So they're the types of things I've learned in supervision where the questions that are asked of us, of you, Brendan, of me, when our supervisors get us to think, well, what's going on inside us? are really useful questions. And so I've, um, I've now become much more conscious of asking clients, what's your emotion right now? Because I've learned to be aware of my emotions. I was getting quite angry in a coaching. This is a good story. At least I wasn't angry at my client, but I was quite angry with a situation my client, like I was going to become her buddy in it, which is I'm angry about that. But I had learned in supervision, notice your emotions. So I was up in the balcony thinking, I'm angry. She's got every right to be angry with that situation. I'm angry too. And then I thought, I wonder if my anger now is affecting my ability to know what question to ask next. So as soon as I just let the anger dissipate, because I was about to say, I agree with you. That's a terrible situation. Then when I let that go, because through supervision, I've learned to know my emotions, I let it go. And then a completely different thought came in. I'm so glad that in supervision, I've learned to be aware of things like emotions because I, I would not have been conscious that I was going, yeah, terrible situation. Shouldn't happen like that. I agree with you. What are you going to do about that? You can do that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and you end up in a different spot completely as a yeah. result. And yeah. It seems often so much more mm. so much more impact from, from doing that rather than sort of, yeah, let's mm. just be angry together. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I think, and I think, that, yeah, I learned that in supervision. It's good. These little things that come to mind in the middle of coaching, like, oh, I've learned that. I, I, can't, I can't have this emotion now. I can see it, um, but I can't, I can't let it take over. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. This has been a lovely conversation, Brendan. Yeah. I'm enjoying this conversation because we're, we're both coaching. We're both in supervision. We can share our experiences about this. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Thank you for contributing to the system that is the lovely conversation, right? It takes two people to do that. No yeah, anger yeah. felt on this end today at all. It was only surprise when you said that you were angry. It's, anger is not an emotion that I'm sure you feel it, obviously, but it's not one that I think would be in your top 10 um, <laughs> emotions felt. So it must have been a good situation for you to get angry about it. Um, particularly yeah. when you spoke about warm and caring and um, all those things earlier about the values you bring to coaching and I'm guessing therefore supervision. Well, if people are interested in knowing more about you and what you do and what supervision is, how would they reach out to you? It's the best way to get in touch. Um, my, uh, my email website, my yeah. name. Yeah. Um, Google. So Amanda, yeah, Amanda Horn. Um, I suppose they'll see that in the pod, the spelling yeah. of my name. .com.au, amandahorn.com.au, the website's there, and then the details. Yeah, I'll some the, links in there as yeah, well so just, people can track you down. Yeah, yeah. It's not hard to work out the email address. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Good yeah. One. Thank you. Well, thanks, yes, Amanda. great series that you're doing here. I'm Appreciate looking forward that. to hearing your the next few. I know you're interviewing a few others, so... Not interviewing, having conversations, conversations with others. Conversations, that's right. Come no, on, I'm if, looking forward to the next ones. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, and if people are interested, you know, drop me a line as well. I'll put that email on there about being a guest because I'm keen to connect with anyone that's passionate about coaching or all things, anything coaching really, and have a bit of a chat or a conversation about it. So if you want to sit in the figurative virtual chair that Amanda's been sitting in for the last hour, uh, let me know and we'll make that work as well. But thank you, Amanda. Uh, Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon and uh, looking forward to connecting the next time we do. Thank you. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Coach Conversations podcast. To find out when new conversations are available, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Please rate, review, share and comment as it helps in more ways than you can imagine. And if you'd like to join me for a Coach Conversation, please email Brendan, B-R-E-N-D-O-N, at coachconversations.com.au. Thanks again for listening.